what is the future for cities? Do you want to learn more about them? Do you want to know how others think about them? Do you want to be part of the conversation? Then this is the right place. Welcome to What is the Future for Cities podcast. Today, I will interview Luke Husengo, a system architect and data magician. We will talk about his two visions for the future of cities, the connections among data, information and knowledge, smart cities, awareness of opportunities and many more. So let's start with a proper introduction. Luke Husengo is an enterprise architect with a focus on data, information, knowledge and artificial intelligence. Luke develops data and technology strategies and manages data governance for Australian enterprises and the Victorian government. He also provides innovation research services in swarm intelligence, graph AI and cryptocurrency. Luke is the principal architect of a future city project that combines cryptocurrency, swarm intelligence and smart data. And with that, Luke, welcome to the podcast. Let's jump right in. What does the future of cities mean to you? Ah, okay. That's a very, very new question. Uh, my interest in cities probably starts with data and then the journey of data and where that goes to. Uh, and for me, that's about knowledge. Um, and in particular, the role of cities uh, historically uh, through through the history of human civilization, it's they've been for me the foundational building blocks for civilization to be the mechanism for the transfer of knowledge across time. Um, and if you see them in that perspective, all the elements of a city from a, a way of looking at it is all the elements of the city are actually oriented towards that outcome. So they need to create the entire infrastructure and have it work and maintain to sustain the transfer of knowledge and growth of knowledge across time. Mm-hmm. Oh, very interesting. First, um, so you are interested in data and mm-hmm. how the data creates knowledge. Yes. So data is not knowledge. No. How do you create knowledge from data? Um, the, the relationship between data and knowledge is the same as the relationship between um, uh, the, I don't know, the building blocks of life and a complex organism. Um, so that it's data is the, the building blocks of, of knowledge or, or information is building blocks of knowledge, but it's how it connects and has meaning and then that meaning applies. That's what becomes knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it, it needs to go through processes mm-hmm. to, to be there. Yeah. Is information equal to data? Uh, so, okay. So we'll start getting this. We're now turning into information science. Um, so inf- information is a more mature form of data. So if you look at, mm-hmm. um, d- uh, so I, I come from sort of inf- information science background. Um, I, I like to use the, the what they call the Dicky W model. So the data, uh, information, knowledge, insight, wisdom, sort of maturity model. And as you step up each level of that from data to information, there's an increasingly higher amount of dimensionality of mm-hmm. information of the value uh, and, and ways and, and meanings. And it's sort of an exponential growth in complexity. So from da- data itself, you can see that as a one-to-one relationship between a thing or a system and an event or something to, to something that's a piece of data. Mm-hmm. How that relates to when you start connecting that to other things, that's where it starts to turn into information. And so it has meaning in and of itself on its own, independent necessarily of the system, even though it's derived from a system, it can, can translate that meaning into other systems. 
mm-hmm. where it gets to knowledge, which is the next level after that, is where it uh, goes to a next level of, of connection again. So uh, connection of, of information to information and, and translation. And that's where you get sort of really big, complex uh, understanding of things. Mm-hmm. And so the knowledge itself is bigger than just the data building it up. Yes. Absolutely. In, in, the, in the same way, well, it, it all depends on perspective. Uh, I mean, if you, if you take a completely nihilist view on, on, on life, for instance, um, you know, well, what is an organic life form? Is it any different to a brick? Um, from one perspective of, of physics, no, it isn't. Um, but from a, from a different perspective, it absolutely is. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the difference between knowledge and, and data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, you said that uh, city is basically the transferring platform for knowledge. Yes, yes. So that's based on a, a number of things. So you look at the history of people. Um, so humans, we're, you know, at our natural state, we're an individual organism. So, but then we achieve a certain level of uh, sophistication once we have a recognition of family and a, a level of family. So it's, it's looking at something beyond just our own selfish genetic survival. Instead, we're looking at a survival of a collective group of genes. So, mm-hmm. so very genetic focus, but that's at the basis of an organism is it wants to propagate and survive and grow and become better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you've got then that, that family unit and then that family unit starts to develop relationships You know, and, and often in, in ancient in ancient sort of human society, that would be by blood, because mm-hmm. then again, that that genetic connection was very important. But then, once we got beyond that, we had the spread of ideas, and mm-hmm. so we had the concepts of uh, not quite nation states, but tribes. And then we had the and then when religion came into existence, that was a big thing because you could then unite different tribes, different groups, different families against an idea. Uh, cities required a whole vast array of ideas to interoperate, (laughs) to exist. Mm -hmm. Because once you get a certain number of people living in the same area, you have to have a level of technology to sustain and support that. Mm -hmm. And without that ability to have that technology and the knowledge of that technology to transfer across time, Mm -hmm. a city would fall apart. And we had this historically happen many times. That once cities got to a certain size, they would, everybody would get sick and die off. Uh, And you even had that, um, you know, with ancient, ancient medieval cities, et cetera. I mean, the big one for me was the, the evolution of drinking water and actually how most Western Europeans uh, can drink a lot of alcohol. It's, it's actually a straight out evolution thing because our sewage and water supply was so bad that the only people that could that had alcohol in the water was the only way to get good, reliable, safe drinking water. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, anyway, so, but then you had um, civilizations that, and cities, therefore, that could support and sustain technology for elimination of waste. Mm-hmm. So um, you had ancient Rome. Also, a uh, particular thing was, uh, so City of London is a good one, a good example of how they used water uh, as, a, as a tool for um, the growth of the society and the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became a means for the, uh, the, the city itself to achieve a level of civilization that other cities or towns or whatever couldn't because they could support higher density of people mm-hmm. and therefore greater retention of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is the city. Yes. And city can be under- basically can be understood as a the manifestation of the human civilization and human knowledge? Well, so uh, so there's a different pers- there's perspectives on that okay. as well. So, <laughs> um, it, so we, we, we bias towards thinking it's all about humans because we're human and we're the, the thing. But I, I think 
logically there becomes a point where a city can can build and evolve and sustain itself doesn't necessarily require humans but that's that's probably potentially uh, you know depends how far you want to go but there's a there's, there's a different thread there yeah uh does a city have a meaning without people well it, it depends upon how what you look at meaning i guess okay um, <laughs> it, it becomes a bit philosophical um i My, my assumption is uh, that you, your range of discussion here, you probably just wanted to be a very potentially just human focus. So talk about that rather than the, the far future. Um, but uh, I think knowledge in and of itself um, doesn't necessarily require humans long term to survive. Ah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not focused on anything. I would like to know okay. your... Sure. <laughs> your <ideas. laughs> um, so you can imagine cities in the future without people... So, let's, let's, so, so Elon Musk says it yep. reasonably well. Um, so Elon Musk <laughs> said that um, in a tweet, it was a while back, um, that uh, humans, he's, he's worried that humans may just be the bootloaders of super intelligence, um, but it's increasingly looking, increasingly looking like that may be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of where I'm getting at is that um, we're, we're performing a role. We are a necessary thing for what's coming but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, we'll be there after it comes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean we won't. We've, we may, there may be some hybrid cohabitation, I suspect. So that's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's, it's an interesting area to consider. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, and this is the future of cities for you. Yes. Well, that's absolutely because cities, are, it, cities are the infrastructure to enable this In city without cities. We can't have the universities. We can't have the, people we can't have the economy that can create the thinking that can create the, the the smarts that can create the innovation that can create the entire you know startup economy to build the kinds of things that are needed to in turn build this mm-hmm. um, it won't exist without cities so cities are fundamental to to this future existing without cities it'll never happen mm-hmm. but in this understanding and please correct yes. me if i if i misunderstood sure. something um the city is just a, a platform where everything is happening so the city a city meets a number of needs mm-hmm. so if you if you look at it um so a city uh it's so it's it's more than just a house So it's so a house again is is the individual need of a a person and potentially their family. Mm-hmm. Um, a house then has a relationship with other houses around it to have a small community, same as land like a family into a tribe. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, but then you're evol- you're evolving further beyond that, further complexity beyond beyond that. So once you start getting bigger than that, you start needing a whole range of interoperating things that are more than just. Um, their own selfish needs. So there has to be a level of civic infrastructure. Mm-hmm. There has to be a level of common need, common services. There has to be an economy because uh, the only way to sustain it is through economic specialization. Not everybody can do their own thing. Uh, and, and whilst I myself am probably very, uh, very much aligned to sort of libertarian sort of ideals politically, um, there is an absolute need of civic, so again, the civic infrastructure and, and common social infrastructure mm-hmm. that, um, that for a city to actually work, you can't have any, everybody just doing their own thing, their own way, um, uh, completely selfishly uh, for their best interests that won't work. Um, so it becomes how do you build the infrastructure needed for that? And the infrastructure needed for that in a city is, is multifaceted and multi-layered. It's not just how do you design a building. 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you design a building for a city? That's a really dumb, simplistic, <laughs> you know, I, I would just, that's not, that's not a city design. That's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's how do you build an economy? How do you build um, the concepts of, of how people relate, socialize, how do they, how do mm -hmm. they connect? How do they share information? How do they meet? You know, how do they fall in love? How do they eat? How do they, you know, the, how does the bathroom work in a city? <laughs> These are, how does water flow? These are all things that are needed in a city you, you, without any single one of these the city will fall apart. It, it is an organism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, then what are the three biggest concerns and fears regarding the future of cities? It turns into ethics. Um, so because we're stepping beyond the realm of the individual, we're stepping into the realm of a society and it's a society, not just of concepts of um, basic concepts of people, but it's, it's more complicated than that. It's groups of people. There's many different ways of interpreting things, many different, you know, you could say agendas or different interpretations of what the future looks like and people pushing or promoting different views of that. And those ideas come into competition. There's people that are self-seeking and self-interested. There is groups of people that are self that are collaboratively being selfish, <laughs> if that makes sense. And there is other groups that are um, sort of suicidally being selfless. <laughs> um, and, and, and they are doing things. There are people that lie, cheat and steal. And, and then there are people that pretend to look like they're contributing to society, but doing quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. So how do you manage all of that in a, so it's a social construct. Uh, and how does that relate to uh, how the city works and operates? How does the civic infrastructure work? How does, how does it relate to ownership of property? How does it, how does it relate to allocation of resources? That's, fundamental to, in my view, how a city works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's one. Yep. So <laughs> ethics. Um, so um, the ethics then turns into, um, it comes back to then the data. So to be okay. the, the ethical behaviour, people, people respond to what they know, information, and how they see others behave or the appearance of how others behave. Mm -hmm. um, so you've then got stepping into uh, the the economic infrastructure becomes very important. So how is how does money work? Uh, mm -hmm. How does how does um, your position in society work? Because you look at different times in different cities, um, different social classes and decisions being made. Things were not always didn't always go the way of the people with the most money because. Just, just because you were wealthy, if you were from the wrong caste or the wrong class, that didn't mean you necessarily had a say. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes vice versa. Sometimes in, in different times of um, resource constraint or a, a need for extreme pragmatism for survival of the city, uh, sometimes caste and class didn't matter. It was a, it was about results. Mm -hmm. And so who was the best person to lead or make decisions or, or have the appropriate allocation of resources? So, again, it, that, that shift into, you know, almost like war footing type thing. So it's governance and how decisions are made across mm -hmm. the city becomes important. So that kind of, so that, that leads to um, decision making, how, how you, how people lead, how people run the city, uh, the economic instruments that, that drive it, property owners, 
ownership, all that kind of thing. So that's a, a, a layer I think is really important as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing is what what else are you saying? The opportunity still? Yes, that, that will be the next question. So, <laughs> so what okay, are the so three I'll, biggest I'll, opportunities? I'll, 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 ultimately, ultimately where it goes for me is um, it's I, I call it smart everything. Um, okay. So, um, again, smart cities, the really dumb interpretation of smart cities is IoT. Um, and I just, I, I shake my head a lot with people that rabbit about this on LinkedIn in particular. Um, it's, it's <laughs> just having a lot of data doesn't mean anything. That's not mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. as, as I sort of opened this conversation. D- data is not knowledge. Having a lot of data just means you have a lot of nothing. Who cares? Um, the ability to connect it, put it into a context, put it into meaning, mm-hmm. um, have that meaning be useful. That's, that's where it starts to become not just that that's the beginnings of the most probably more information, but where then the, tr- the translate, so the contextualization of it to affect decisions, to affect reality, that's where it starts to become knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's so smart, everything, but it needs to be smart, everything in a smart way, as opposed to just lots of senses. <laughs> who cares? Mm-hmm. Who, who cares whether the garbage bins have been emptied or not, or uh, the lights are on or not, or whether the energy is 5% more efficient. It doesn't matter that much. What matters far more mm-hmm. is people, being able to make informed decisions at all layers of their interaction with a city, with mm-hmm. a society, um, not just the basic, you know, elements of some elements of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, so IoT, IoT is part of it, but it's a very small part of it. There's a much bigger picture required to mm-hmm. be successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is smart city the future of cities? I, I, I don't. It's in, in the same way as, as asking is... Um, It is running water or uh, sanitation essential for the running of the city. Um, it's uh, the, the only ones that will survive will be ones that have it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the others will, will be, you know, decrepit ghetto towns of, you know, <laughs> that, that, we, that we look at on, on news broadcasts and, and donate money to. That's mm-hmm. that, that will be what those cities are. Yeah. And will smart city be part of the future of cities or will smart everything be part of the future of cities? Is there a difference? Um, is there a difference? I think um, cities is where it will happen first. So this because it's necessary, the cities can't, because again, it's that whole cities uh, require a level of integration and cooperation whilst mm-hmm. also supporting the needs for self-interest at the same time. So it's that, that balancing act. Um, so, so they, they force, um, they force the evolution. They are the, the melting pot or the, 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 the point of tension that it has, they have to get it right because mm-hmm. if they don't get it right. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So c- cities are fantastic. Uh, for that reason, uh, it, it, it has to work in a city. You can't. You, you can get away with a lot if you own a large chunk of land in the country. You can get away with having poor management, or you know, because you can get you've got water and you've got you can grow some vegetables and you know you can barter with a few people. You don't need to solve all the problems a city needs to solve. Mm-hmm. So it has to be. It has to work in a city. Um, that will lead to the benefits of that will then flow on, and I believe it will affect the rest of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is does smart mean the same everywhere? Uh, no, because we'll we'll have again the different perspectives on what mm-hmm. what, what what meaning means uh, is uh, will, will lead to that, and you'll have 
there'll be a difference in um, social uh, understandings. There'll be a difference even in the whole philosophical outlook and what it means. The difference will will even exist with even within the same city. You'll have people with different outlooks and different and you know potentially even you look at the um, a lot of the break the, the breaking of the. Um, relationships and politics, particularly in the US, for instance, very, very, very splintered at the moment. So you look at that, that that's probably a symptom, of, more of a symptom of what's going to even more be stronger in the future. We're going to very be sort of ideologically tribal um, and how we interpret even this very same facts will be radically different. Um, and so the, the interaction of that and the, and the way for that to occur but not necessarily lead to conflict and still enable a, a city or society to function will be very important. Um, so there has to be an ability to cater for different points of view, quite, quite strongly different points of view or interpretation of things and mm-hmm. still, still an ability to function. You mentioned ideologically tribal and we will be even more so in the future. That's that for me is terrifying. But yes. the, the question is, um, wouldn't data help with that to establish the, the truth, which which comes from data, which is. So you're, you're making the assumption that there's one truth. So that itself is a position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, lies, damn lies and statistics, right? Um, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at, um, you know, I, 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 I love looking at markets. So lately I've been particularly paying attention to cryptocurrency markets for the, mm-hmm. for the play out of, um, of interpretation because it's about signals. So there's many different participants with many different agendas. Some people are trying to make money by um, making people lose money. So they're intentionally trying to tank the market. There's people that are trying to make money by because they believe in something. They're idealistic. Uh, mm-hmm. There's people that are pragmatic, um, and there's there's people that don't care about it either way. They're just trying to make money on the, on movements. Um, and there's there's many different approaches and interpretation of things. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really where it is. It's about a, and that's that's the truth of a market is that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a there's a fundamental truth, but the truth is not one particular interpretation, um, and it, and that's mm-hmm. where it goes. So the, the data is there, but the data doesn't say what anybody wants it to say. Mm-hmm. It has its own message, and it's and it's not one. It's not a singular truth. Yeah, yeah, that's a little bit frightening because that could lead uh, to huge conflicts. But that's another question. <laughs> okay, um, uh, how to? compromise the different smarts and these different truths uh, to how to how to work with these different differences to create something which is working because only um, problems will not work <laughs> as, as, as yes. a system. Yes. So um, there's fundamental tools in logic. So I, I, I'm an architect, but um, not the kind of architects that uh, most people probably that will listen to this are. So I'm a technology architect. Now we have particular tools uh, in, in logic. So the, one of the most basic ones is something called separation of concern. Okay. So where to solve a problem, you don't try to solve all the other problems. Uh, and that's 
really important point. Okay. So uh, you know, you often use the analogy, of, you know, the, the how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. So when you, uh, and another, another rule I sort of evolved that into is I call it the one impossible thing rule because my job's uh, very closely related with innovation. Um, and I'm always trying to, you know, my job is to achieve impossible things that nobody can think is possible, right? That's just my job. That's how I can pay rent. All right. Um, so, but I have with that the, the, the need to have the one impossible thing rule. You can always be aiming to achieve one impossible thing, but never make that hinge upon or depend upon uh, you, the need to achieve another impossible thing to enable that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as soon as you do that, as soon as you start connecting two impossible things together, you guarantee failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's step, winding that back. That's about separation of concern. You're trying to solve the problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. You don't try to connect it to other things. Don't try and solve the ethics problem when you're trying to design a building. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, don't make uh, solving the ethics problem or about how, which materials you use in the building, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. so, and I run into that still a lot. There's people that, um, they, 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 they're unable to logically split up, uh, their problems into many different spaces, uh, mm-hmm. and they can't recognize that they're trying to solve several problems at once. And when it's in doing that, that's where you, that's where you create, um, a bias or you, you're, you're presupposing a solution when you need to be actually just stating what you need as requirements uh, and not let, letting the people to design us that are skilled in designing the solution actually do their job. Uh-huh. Um, but it, so in case we are talking about data, uh, yes. creating information, creating knowledge, then we yes. acknowledge that uh, data itself is just so data building up knowledge but the connections between the data also builds up the knowledge in case we are talking about problems and we are talking about this separation then isn't something lost with the separation of the problems when you want to solve these problems uh so so there is an intentional um loss of information um by doing this so it's an intentional loss of information because there is uh, there is uh, implicit knowledge um, when you're when you're creating a set of um, you know parameters or a construct or requirements or whatever. There is there is tacit knowledge there uh, or implicit knowledge uh, that's not necessarily stated, and this is a common challenge in the space. Um, and by creating separation of concern, you're actually literally chopping that off. You, you, you're, you're slicing that away um, mm-hmm. because you're trying to get to the heart of heart of what the problem space is. Mm-hmm. The other, because part of the problem is that that implicit knowledge is not necessarily logically worked through. Uh, a lot of it is in, inherited or assumed. Uh, it hasn't been tested. It has biases. It has assumptions. Mm-hmm. So it is it is um, it is lower quality knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes it's got insight and things that is quite valuable and you are losing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, a, it's about making a, a judgment call about that. Um, you, you can have mechanisms to then mitigate that by bringing in the tacit knowledge as other things, as, uh, but you, and you have processes to, to test the quality, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in my architecture, <laughs> in <Yes>. designing buildings, 
usually usually the client says that they have a problem and they want mm. to have a bigger house or something yep. and we are not then investigating the stated problem and yes. finding out that the problem was basically just a symptom of a real mm. root cause real root, yes. root problem how yes. can you find the root causes if you are separating can i assume you can <laughs> but uh, how can you focus on the root causes if you are separating the problems no no so it's so exactly what you're identifying there is a is an extraordinarily common uh, challenge usually usually the prob- people stating the problem are the least qualified to logically articulate it um and that's that's the exact scenario that you're painting right mm-hmm. so what it, so this is part of the the active analysis that you need to do in understanding what what they're saying is not necessarily what they're saying um so <laughs> you, you, you're you're bringing you, you've got you've got your own dimensions of knowledge that you're bringing to the table so i have mm-hmm. you know 20 something years of experience in 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 this kind of area mm-hmm. um i bring a lot of that knowledge uh, and i have patterns of behavior and things as well as other seen success in other areas and some of those things whilst it may not necessarily be exactly the same to the exact same problems but there is patterns and i can mm-hmm. apply those patterns what's worked what hasn't worked and that's my own forms of knowledge and i can then spot patterns in their own problem statements or the, what they're saying which can lead me to go down other paths that they won't have explored and that's as part of the value of bringing me a knowledge uh you know a, an insightful knowledge engine mm-hmm. as as part of their process mm-hmm. um they they they're basically outsourcing uh it, you know knowledge in the form of experience uh mm-hmm. to to help solve the problem mm-hmm. um so bringing that in it helps you unpack it into different ways than what they had considered if you just take it as what they say you're just getting a silo mm-hmm. of knowledge and that leads and that's that's just them only solving it themselves So you've got to bring other dimensions of insight, other dimensions of knowledge to the equation. If you're not doing that, you're not doing your job basically. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it, it's like it's like uh, I'll use the trading example. It's like trading based on the price alone. If you're only trading only based upon the price alone, <laughs> you just you're just drawing artificial lines what they call um uh trading astrology you know it, it doesn't mean that much um and a, you know a tweet from Elon Musk can destroy everything if you but if you don't know who Elon Musk is because the only information you have is these charts going up or down it, it doesn't mean it yet anyway mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying yeah <laughs> yeah okay um so let's go back to the three questions what are the three biggest strengths for the future of cities So the three biggest uh, strengths so the the main thing for me is we we have choices about how we build the future um so so it's and it it really it comes back to evolution so i my one of my my favorite thing ever is um is uh memetics so i'm a big fan of uh, richard dawkins and particularly susan blackmore who really um articulates memetics and she invented the, the concept of uh trains which is technology uh memetics so uh where a, an idea can be replicated through technology which doesn't actually require humans anymore um and that's mm-hmm. that's brilliant but um the the idea of memetics is that um organic life so genetics yeah. um uh 
is uh, exists because of evolution. Okay. And evolution is a process of replication with variation yep. and selection. Okay. Okay. But evolution, that process, that that replication with variation and then selection, that doesn't only necessarily apply to genes. It can apply to other things. Okay. Information goes through the same process. Information is replicated. It varies. The mm-hmm. replication varies, but there's also then a selection mechanism for which survives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it becomes knowledge, how knowledge will then become something else. And then that one turn will evolve to become something else. And that's, um, so we have then choices about that, how, how evolution happens. Um, so you can then step into sort of game theory, which is uh, the yeah. mathematics of, dis- of um, strategic decision-making or just just decision-making where things happen in a competitive environment. So uh, it's not me just making decisions on my own. I just don't live in a little fanciful fairy world of, you know, I make choices and am I making the best choice? Mm, No, it's um, there's, there's, there's uh, people that are out to help me and there's, there's other people who see me as food Mm -hmm. and um, how I respond and how I identify there's differences in those situations that determines my survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all evolved from that. That's organic life has evolved from that, but then our own intelligence has evolved from that. And now the ideas in our heads have evolved from that same process. So mm-hmm. ideas themselves either become uh, collaborate with other ideas or they become food to other ideas. Mm-hmm. Cities are built on the same thing. Um, so if you, um, if you ever look at the, the, the recent movie from Peter Jackson, Mortal Cities, so, um, that's about the big cities that are on wheels traveling around and they're oh. eating, eating each other and things. It's, <laughs> it's actually, there's concepts of this. Are, it's very interesting. Uh, but it's based on a, some books. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, so you've got the evolution of, of knowledge uh, happening and the cities can choose, uh, become the basis of, of creating the infrastructure to set whether we're highly adversarial. So you, you are, they will only grow and become bigger and, and more effective and productive through really uh, um, high tension, um, t- really tough sort of environments. And so you could, you could look at that for a lot of economic development happens that way. It's very adversarial. It's very, um, you know, dog eat dog, um, mm-hmm. you know, hyper competitive environments. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get breakouts happen where you can create little ring circles of hyper collaboration where mm-hmm. instead of people competing and trying to t- steal from each other and push each other down to get ahead, instead of that, they work together collaboratively. So in, prison, in game theory, you have prisoner's dilemma where you have the collaboration strategy. In that scenario, um, you then get the J-rocketing effect of economic growth. And oh. that's what happens in, so for instance, Silicon Valley, where you get these small teams of nerds that sort of hyper-collaborate and they can just decimate entire industries in a generation because they work together rather than trying to um, mm-hmm. subjugate and um, and you know, effectively you know, steal or crush. Instead, instead of that, they work together. And uh-huh. Cities at their basis can create the structures that can support either of those two behaviours. And mm-hmm. it's how they do that. Um, and it, it goes from the most basic things of how a city operates, the, so the civic infrastructure, um, mm-hmm. all the way to how the businesses operate, to how property is managed, how the economy of the city works. Mm-hmm. That's what enables a, a city to work in a society that can create the two different versions of the future mm-hmm. that it could, could pursue. It would be nice if we went to a hyper-collaborative environment. <laughs> that would be a beautiful, super yep. future 
uh, Star Trek-like future, that's what I would love for us to be able to do. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not it's not easy to get there. Mm-hmm. Then what is your role in establishing such a beautiful future? So to establish a beautiful future, um, it requires quite a few good men uh, that sit on the fences that hold the rest at bay. Um, so um, really my, my role in that is I think you need people that can see what's required that are able to influence and help steer and direct uh, and architect that future to, to see the connection between how we, how we uh, manage information, how we make decisions, so governance, um, how those structures inform things, how that affects a city, how that affects a society, how that all interoperates and how that steers towards a path of hyper collaboration and um, but creates it in a way that's safe from and protects from the um, the, the other extreme, which is the hyper self-interest, which mm-hmm. always will always exist and they will always try and find a path to, to, to and it just takes one of them to get in into the little group and they will decimate the value of <laughs> collaboration. So you need to always have people that are very much aware of that to, to protect it. So you need to at all points, at all levels of a city, of, of the infrastructure, um, have have an awareness um, of that and have the mechanisms to be able to make it transparent. So transparency is the friend of collaboration. Mm-hmm. So you, you need transparency um, and you need information and you need people to be aware and informed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. So as much as I can help in that, that's what I would love to be doing with my life. Yeah. Mm, that sounds fascinating. Um, okay. Then what is the biggest obstacle? Um It all, it's, it's all in the end, um, economics. So, uh, that's where it starts and ends, uh, because that's what it is. Um, a city is, is a function of economics. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it, it exists only because of economics and, uh, and because it exists, uh, it enables economics to, to grow and flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's both the beginning and end. Um, but it, it needs, uh, the recognition from the participants in this, in the city, that um, that what is needed in the future is different to what they have now. And it requires people to make a choice. So it all starts, like any business, it starts with a choice. And a, a city is the ultimate expression of our choices uh, as a collective about what we want the future to be. We need to choose to take a risk. We need to t- choose to um, uh, make us make a sacrifice of now for a future. Um, mm. and that future is uncertain. We need to, we, and we need to be constantly reevaluating that choice. Um, mm. but we need to work together towards it. And there will be people that come along that have bad ideas. There'll be people that come along <laughs> that uh, try to turn it into their own self-interest. Um, mm. and we need, so we need to be constantly looking for who's going to protect us from those people and who, um, who, who are the right people to listen to, to steer the course. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really, I think what's needed now. Mm. Yeah. And so I, I assume you consider yourself as someone who knows, uh, who, who has this awareness of, of, uh, guarding this future of cities. Is there an opportunity or a chance to opening up this awareness to the whole population or a wider population? So, oh no, ab- absolutely. So again, it, mm-hmm. that's a, really a governance structure. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of things like the you know, concepts of you know liquid democracy or um, you know o- open open democracy. As we evolve to make smarter and smarter decision making um, mm-hmm. uh, that are more more participatory and more more involved, that's that's fantastic. 
Um, and I, but it always needs to be based upon interest and alignment, uh, and there needs to be checks there. Um, I, I'm not a fan of, uh, I guess, what I term naive democracy, where mm. people just people get a vote just for turning up. Um, there's situations where that is useful, but um, the, anyway, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of theory there for, to go into. But um, uh, I think I think people need to have a stake in something. It's I probably. Myself, uh, I think models how they can work effectively, pragmatically, is people need to have a stake in something. So closer mm-hmm. to having a share in a company where you've made a sacrifice and that entitles you to have a mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, we haven't talked about the academia and the research yes. <laughs> community. Officially, they are the knowledge creators and knowledge curators. Well, that's 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 their opinion. Yes. <laughs> What do you think about the connection between the, the your future of cities and how can the researchers and the academia help with that? Or what is the connection between your future of cities and the academia? Oh, look, um, ac- academics is uh, you know it's, it's there's there's definite definite value in the institution. It's, it's a long history behind it, um, but academics itself only exists because of cities and came out of uh, movements that existed before universities existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I, I like to mention to academics that, you know, I, I was a, a monk for a period of time. And that mm-hmm. so it was actually the universities actually evolved from monasteries. Um, and so that then the, the method of transferring knowledge across time that existed back then in the Middle Ages, they kept, mm-hmm. you know, from the fall of the Roman Empire, they kept the knowledge alive uh, and then you know then into the late middle ages the, the sort of emergence of um, what became universities uh, mm-hmm. in Europe um, so the uh, universities is a formalization of, of a structure but there's, there's there's ancient sort of principles and and, and, and ways of behavior and transferring knowledge that existed before them they aren't they didn't invent knowledge they didn't invent so, you know they didn't invent science they didn't invent mm-hmm. research sorry um, but they are very uh, good and effective effective mechanisms to do so uh, but it doesn't mean that that's the only way of doing it just mm-hmm. because a four door you know six cylinder car is um is is an effective means of getting from a to b there is other means to to create knowledge to do things so I'm a big big fan of universities a lot of great things come out of them but i don't believe that they you know own the patent to 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 knowledge and innovation mm-hmm. yeah okay and uh, you also mentioned collective good versus individual good yes and how can someone can we um convince the public that it is good to think about the collective good even if it's jeopardizing the the individual good for a for a short period short period of time yep no absolutely um it, it fundamentally the collective good is the best thing for the individual good um the, the, the so this is the uh, libertarian speaking but um the the reason for that is that it, the, the, the difference is time scale mm-hmm. the more you can zoom out and and step back Uh, you will see that the collective good um, pays off in the long run. It's the uh, it's the only, in fact, it's the only approach that pays off in the long run. However, <laughs> the journey from here to there, there's a lot of um, uh, individual good that is at times required because a lot of the people that um, will push 
a collective good agenda. Agenda. Their ideas are terrible, um, and they they need to be stopped. <laughs> and so there is an absolute. And well, it's 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 why um, it's great that we don't need to fight wars as much anymore to change government. But um, because th- there's a lot of terrible people that uh, take control of things, and they need to be gotten rid of, uh, mm-hmm. and that happens over and over again. Um, so there needs to be at times. Um, individual pursuit of individual good or individual benefits and at times collective and there's a constant tension between the tension is what important what is important um, if the ability to have that tension is ever broken one way or the other that is mm-hmm. the bad outcome mm, so the tension kind of is useful yes the, the 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 tension is the important thing so again it's that whole that's that's the truth of a market economy uh, and that's that's why i love i love market economies um <laughs> Because once you have a planned economy, that tension is is gone. Uh, the 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 only the only progress happens because based upon one person's opinion, and therefore the the city, the civilization can only advance at the speed at which one person can operate. And they're usually done in Kruger effect. The person uh, probably least qualified, or at least only moderately qualified, to to operate <laughs> or make those kinds of decisions because they got there into that position for other factors than mm-hmm. being brilliant at that particular thing. Mm-hmm. And from our whole conversation, I fear that although there could be a pessimistic view of the future of cities that we are already late for everything and we will doomed, you are not really thinking no, like no, this. No, no, no. I'm very excited. Um, so, I mean, you know, uh, The, the world is opening up opportunities that never existed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this combination of technology, this combination of ways of connecting, ways of living our lives that didn't exist even, even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've got a living example of that. You know, I'm, I'm so proud. I have my, my new daughter, which I'm so proud of. Okay. So, and she, my, my new daughter, she, uh, I've had a, a, a baby with a, with a lesbian couple. Um, we met online. Mm-hmm. Um, that they wanted to have a child. Uh, I was interested in having a child, but I wasn't with somebody at the time that I wanted to have a child with. I thought, okay, let's, <laughs> my biological clock was ticking on. Um, and so we, you know, let's, let's, we, we met each other and let's do this. Let's, and, and, and it's, it's worked out really well. This kind of thing could not have existed. Um, even, even, you know, there's, it could have, you know, there's, I'm not the first person to, to have a child with somebody that isn't in love with me or whatever, but there's, there's mechanisms to do it. But in this, this kind of structure of relationship can only exist in, in this new world. There's, there's new, new dimensions of, of living and life. My, my daughter has me as a father in her life. I see us multiple times a week and, and she knows me, you know, I'm dad and, but she's got, she's got three months <laughs> and that's, and she has two houses and that's normal. Mm-hmm. She has friends, friends that she's growing up with. They're all from LGBTQI um, families, and that's mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a new world, um, and it's it's very exciting. And we can think about this is quite different to even 10 years ago, let alone 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. But just think the world that somebody like her is going to create. Mm-hmm. She's growing up in a technologically savvy environment. She's being brought up on all this <laughs> stuff that I've been talking about. This is going to be bread and butter and boring to her. She's going to be thinking in new ways. She's going to be looking to create a new future that's mm-hmm. even radically different again. How exciting is that going to be? I, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect way to stop <laughs> this first conversation. I think we will converse in the future 
because this is very exciting. Thank you very much for your time. I highly appreciate your answers. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Thank you, Fanny. It's been great. It was really good to hear from a data-oriented person that smart city is more than just a dumb IoT and a complex connection of data, information and knowledge. Not to mention that Luke's positive attitude towards the future was really reassuring even in the light of the problems we had discussed. What was the most interesting part for you? What questions did arise regarding Luke's approach to the future of cities? What have you learned from this interview? Let me know on Twitter at WTF for Cities or on the website where the transcripts and show notes are available. I hope this was an interesting interview for you as well and thanks for tuning in. What is the future for cities podcast?